0: end of our marriage sermon series this year. Um, <clears throat> so um, we, we want to kind of seal this with the Spirit. We want to um, receive all that God has for us in this fifth week. And again, we want to remind you that marriage is something that affects everyone. And there's not a person who isn't affected by marriage on planet Earth. It's one of those reasons why we speak on it. And why we talk about it so much. Today, I'm gonna say some things that I hope you'll receive as I talk about what it means to live unashamed for the rest of our marriage, every day undressing. And that's been the title of this, as God has undressed some things for us to grab a hold of. And on purpose, as an eldership team, we've designed some things to make you think, to grab your attention. To hopefully help you not forget. Amen. And the homework's been designed every week uh, to, to keep you involved as a couple. Um, I, I do want to say this, and I, and I think as soon as it's finished, we want to publish a link to it. And maybe as a couple, you'll want to work back through it as a devotion. But there's been someone in our church who has written a daily devotion based on the sermons. And uh, so far, what I have read is incredible. Uh, and, and, uh, and I would not have known that this person had this talent. Not that I'm doubting it. I'm just saying um, it's very good. And so as soon as that's finished, we want to uh, put that back out there so that you as a couple can maybe work through it. Uh, and it's incredibly... I'm blessed as a pastor to see that someone is taking that kind of message from your eldership team and beginning to apply it in such a way that not only benefits their life... Uh, but benefits others, and that is uh, miss katie kleinsmith so let 's give her a hand and uh, you 're going to be seeing some of that from her and no doubt some of it's birthed out of her own journey. Hello somebody amen and that's good right uh, and and we're excited about those things so that being said, are you ready yeah. let 's go to work amen Genesis chapter two verse 25, it's our keynote scripture, and the Bible says, and the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Eddie has uh, not been in church for a while because of quarantine, Uh, so, (laughs) I'm going to flip over real quick, and I'm going to read you a scripture from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured. Everybody say endured. Endured. The cross. Now some of you are replacing that with marriage but um, we want to deal with that this morning. The idea of just having to endure. He endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now Our keynote scripture says that they were unashamed as husband and wife. And then Hebrews tells us to look to Jesus and run the race that's set before us. Now, there's some incredible thought process there. and, And as we've heard that word, I want to pray over it real quick. Is that all right? Let's go. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Here we go. All right, now watch this. I I want to bless you now. In the beginning of this sermon series, I gave you a thought. I wanted you to hang on to a thought. That if you would just for a minute go back to the beginning of the book where we're at and read the creation process, something very interesting is in there. Inside the fact that during the creation process, God created marriage. Marriage itself was a very important part of the creation process. It's an unbelievable thought when you really think about. It. The book begins with marriage. Hello, somebody, and the book closes with marriage. The Bible begins with marriage, and at the in Genesis, and at the end in Revelation, it closes with marriage. Hello, somebody. If you're counting this morning because of my granddaughter, I'm going to get you. <laughs> now, let me be clear about something. The whole reason the church exists, the whole reason that, that God leaves you here on earth, the whole reason that the, the, the preacher, when you get baptized, doesn't hold you down until the bubbles stop coming up, Is because God wants to bring His kingdom to earth. When Jesus teaches us to pray, He says, pray this way. Let thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God is interested. See, we're not building the kingdom of God. We're building the church. The kingdom of God always has been. The kingdom of God is and it always will be. The church is the point at which the kingdom of God invades earth. Time and geography. That's why God said to go into all the earth and preach the gospel. That's why the apostles were busy planting churches. That too is also why our ministry is very interested in planting churches. Because we're interested in creating invasion points. Let me be very clear during a marriage sermon series, especially as I close it. God wants to bring his kingdom to earth. So what's the purpose God has for us? What is the legacy? Everybody say legacy. That we want to leave for the next generation. And my wife and I, Lisa and I, we we believe that legacy is even bigger than you as a husband and wife. It's even bigger than your children. And, And you need to understand that as a couple. You need to know as a couple that God creates marriage... In the creation process because God is intending to impact the lives of people on the earth. To make it a better place. In, in a part of what God is doing, marriage is designed by God to make the world a better place. Y'all not helping me. See, we sit in this room this morning... Some of us here, wrestling with marriage, disappointed, discouraged, like I talked about last week. Unmet expectations cause so much bitterness and unforgiveness in our lives. And, 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 and not dealing with that because of what it's created or done to us. I want to shock you. I want to give you something to think about. For everyone who's married... For everyone who is yet to be married. God has a global vision for your marriage. It, it might be me, Daniel. This is a little hot for me up here. Let me, let me give you a key why I think this way. The Bible says in the beginning... I don't have a trick Bible. But verse, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. Everybody say void. void. Now, we, I want you to grab a hold of this for a minute. Because, see, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I'm, when you take this word void in the Hebrew, it doesn't mean non-existent. It means Chaos. It means there wasn't any order. In the beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth, and it was void. It was full of chaos. It was out of order. There was nothing to it. And then God begins the creation process. And and the Bible says on day one, on day two, day three, day four, God begins to bring order to chaos. I'm setting you up. You don't even know it yet. The Bible specifically explains to us that each day in the creation process that God is dealing with chaos and in dealing with chaos he creates process and that one of those processes is marriage So in doing so, what God intended is that marriage would be something that helps bring order to chaos. Is it any wonder then why marriage is under attack, satanic assault from the beginning? Marriage troubles aren't a new thing. In the garden... It's it's you've got to grab a hold of this to prove my point. Notice with me. Wherever marriage struggles in the world that you and I live in, there is chaos. Wherever there is chaos, if you pause for a moment to look past the chaos, you can find marriage struggling. Y'all not helping me, because I'm not sure you believe it. And so I'm challenging you, prove it. Prove me wrong. How much baggage, how much baggage do we deal with in our life today as a result of the brokenness of marriage? Either in our own marriage or in our parents' marriage. Do you know how many hours I spend in counseling because people are dealing with issues, not of a current matter, but because of a... It's unbelievable in that sense. Listen to me, legacy, everybody say legacy with me. Good or bad is always an inheritance. Legacy, good or bad, is always an inheritance. What we inherit or what we leave our children to inherit. Legacy is always an inheritance. It doesn't matter, you will pass down something. Come on church, come on church, legacy good or bad is always passed down. Come on church, I mean how many times do we hear dysfunction in people's lives current that we trace back to the dysfunction that they grew up with in their own home? How much of our attitude towards our own spouse that we're married to, that is supposed to be a gift from God, is a direct reflection of the attitude that we inherited from our parents? What if, what if, church, what if, what if... Your marriage is actually part of God's plan to bring his kingdom to earth and deal with chaos. This puts a new emphasis on being married, on what we're doing and why we're doing it. Too many people get married for benefits. When those benefits dry up, We live in this this world of disposable marriage. Because all we're interested in is the benefit. And serving or being a servant is rarely an idea or a thought process in the marriage contract. That's the word. Contract. Contract. But see, in the beginning, God creates it as a covenant because God needs a commitment, amen, to help him deal. God needs consistency to help him deal with chaos. And as long as we live in this broken world, Jesus promised us we'd have trouble and we'd have to deal with chaos. And married folk, you need to realize that when you say, I do, you become a direct target for an enemy because he knows God's designed you and created you and given you your marriage to help him bring his kingdom to earth and his kingdom is ultimately what deals with chaos it's the mission of marriage Marriage is the proof. Marriage is the You will not convince me any other way. Marriage is the proof that God is personally still at work in bringing order to chaos. We just think our legacy is about our children or how much money we can leave our children. I mean, things we can leave our children. And, 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 and uh, okay, that's part of it. But legacy of your marriage isn't limited to that. i seen this bumper sticker one day. It says, spending my kid's inheritance. And, and it just, it, 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 it works in me a little bit. Like, I want to live life when I get old. took Today. <laughs> And as a pastor, I'm probably not going to make a lot of money to leave my kids. But there's something more that I can leave them. I I just want to share my heart for a minute. The best marriages are couples who get this. Serving and loving others for the glory of God is the mission of marriage. We have some great examples. I mean, we have some incredible examples right right among us. We don't have to read a book about someone else. God God has deposited some of those people among us who have said, we want to use our marriage in a very unique way to help other people. I mean, I think about Nick and Carleen King. Um, you know, and, and, the, and the way that they have used their idea of stewardship to, to help people come to a new level in their life, to live as a married couple without the burden of not enough by being good stewards. And, and many of us, many of us, everybody say us. Many of us in this room have benefited from their marriage mission in that area. That's not the only thing they do. But not only that, our whole church... Our finances, you're going to hear in a couple of weeks, just the ability to do what this little bitty church can do with finances comes out of a mission of marriage in their own heart. And, and there have been times when there's been a push in that. Like, I love that passion. I, I love to watch a couple like uh, uh, Josh and Cassie Wired. And, and we all know their story because they told it to you. I didn't. I would have never got up here in front of the church and told you the details they told you. But now they've used what the enemy used to try and destroy them to mentor others. It's a a great example of what can happen in a very godly way. And I remember moments, amen, when, uh, when in our minds, sitting with them thinking, not believing. I would say to them that that's possible, but not, hello, somebody. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on of examples in our church. And there may be some I don't even know about. And, and it's so incredible when we think about these particular things. I want to encourage you. My wife and I want to encourage you as a husband and wife. Dream big. Dream big. Because that's what God calls us to do. Our marriages have great purpose. And we need to live our lives spiritually, physically, and financially, and emotionally around the calling of God in marriage. Let me just just encourage you as parents. Church cannot be something you add on to your schedule. It's okay to tell your children, no, we are going to church. But see, you'll spend six months of the year running your kids all over the world for something that isn't going to leave a legacy in their life, and they're going to see you as husband and wife, as mom and dad, so stressed out and not loving each other during that time. They're they're never going to believe in the beauty of marriage or receive. My wife and I used to, buy our family, used to be called Bible thumpers. Because we would have to tell our family, look, we can't come to that event on a Sunday morning. Why? Because we're going to church. We'll be after. And they're like, why is that so important? Because before I met Jesus and before I had faith family in my life, before I had somebody encouraging my marriage, all I had was people in my marriage who was discouraging. I ain't got time for that nonsense no more. Yeah. I got time for it no more. We wonder why the Western world church, the, the, most of the power is in the light switch. Because as a, as a people of so-called faith, we can leave or take church. You go to these other worlds where we go to, third world, where they have to fight and scrap. And it's illegal to go to church. They go to church and worship under the threat of prison. And you walk into the room and ain't no devils around there. Amen. There ain't no satanic stuff happening because they know the power of God and the Holy Ghost is there. Full of the glory of God. Our marriages have great purpose. And I need you to understand something here. This looks different for every couple. Because of gifting and passions. Listen, we might pick on Bo and Claire. Because I got all these kids. Hanging out with Bo a little bit. He just kind of, he's trying to get to the right kid. He just goes down the roll there, naming that. I'll get to him in a minute. Yeah, that one. (laughs) We went hunting last year out in Colorado. We get up one morning, we're about to head out. I could see Bo is like, he's stressed. I'm like, dude, you all right? We're at 12,000 feet, physically busted up. You okay? I, I just worried about him, right? And he's like, Showed me a picture, and he said, I gave her one rule before I left. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I told my wife, no more kids while I'm gone. (laughs) This morning, I wake up to a picture of a new kid. (laughs) They're they're in the fostering (laughs) business, okay? So, (laughs) (laughs) hello, somebody. We're hilarious because we know. I mean, like, you can't tell Claire no kids. You can't do it. I actually told Claire one time, hey, well, you know, because Claire's often in the back taking care of your kids more than she's in here. And I said, hey, you you know, you can take a break from that. She says, no, that's what I love to do. I love the kids. But if you talk to them, ultimately, you know what they'd love to do? They would love to sell every possession that they have move to a third world country and run an orphanage. You know what? I love them for that, but I ain't doing it. (laughs) And what you don't know is a lot of their way they live is in prep for that. They have no idea, no thought process. There isn't even a target. It's just the dream. So physically, spiritually, financially, and they live for maybe God will do that one day. Y'all not listen. For every couple, passions and talents are different. But you know why Bo and Claire have a great marriage? Because they have unity in the mission of why they're married. I mean, Bo could sit back and live in the glory of God, okay? And the blessing of the Lord, right? That, that as ugly as he is, God gave him a beautiful wife. I mean, he could just rest in that, <laughs> Just hey, we all we all living above our pay grade in that fact, but he's not. Never stop dreaming. That's what happens in chaos. That's what happens in crisis. It consumes so much of your energy and your passion. And it brings so much confusion that you can't dream anymore. You can't think about how you can change your world with your marriage. It paralyzes you to the point of doing nothing. This this, this will not only help your marriage when you dream big and say we're married on mission. Right? This begins to help the kingdom of God. Ask each other. How can we serve together? Every couple I've ever sat down with and helped work through marriage issues, at the end of that time together, one of their assignments is serving together. Right. Yeah. Do something together. Johnson's over there and the, and the, and the three and four year olds. Yeah. Purpose brings passion and it brings meaning. Meaning. And it, it wrecks the, 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 the monotony of life. And you say, Well, Pastor Don, I don't, I don't know where to start. Listen, let me help you out. Just start somewhere. Knock, knock it off. Oh, I'm not called to that. Do you, do you know how much time you spend doing nothing because you want to make an excuse for what you're not called to? Just do something. I wasn't called to clean toilets, at least in my opinion. But Pastor Rick told me in the beginning, if you want to preach, the bathrooms better not be dirty in this church. I showed up, asked my wife, why do we have to go early? Because I got to clean them toilets. It's my job because I wanted to preach. I, was done. I, was, I embraced the toilet cleaning ministry. I wasn't called to that. Start somewhere doing something. Forget about what you're called to because too much of nothing is happening because people are sitting around saying, I'm not called to something and don't make no difference, right? There are people dying and going to a devil's hell and we could invest our life, our marriage, and and our legacy into their life all because we are called to it. Just start somewhere. The happiest marriages that I know are, are, are the ones where there's joy in partnering with God and what He's doing to bring His kingdom to the earth. Amen. You do write this down. You don't want to tweet it out. Well, maybe you don't want to tweet it out now. Maybe you want to use a different, so I don't know. They might, they might turn you off. Who knows? Legacy requires Commitment. Commitment is always revealed in consistency. Yeah. And, and I want to break the cycle of consistently living in broken marriage. Yeah. Our commitment to our spouse is evident in the consistency in which we serve them. I said our our commitment to our spouse is evident in the consistency in which we serve them. You know what? These grand one-time gestures, they're very nice. Somebody say amen. But it's what we do consistently that expresses our love to our spouse that will ultimately shape our marriages and leave legacy. When we strengthen our legacy, we strengthen our marriages. When we strengthen our marriages, we strengthen our legacy. Hello, church. You know, my wife and I, get we we spend time with couples. Now, because of the way the ministry is changing and some things that were happening, uh, more and more of the leadership team is taking on some of that. So that's not going away. Lisa and I are just functioning in a different fashion in some areas. But as we spend time with couples who who are successful in loving in action and consistently serving and encouraging and supporting each other, I'm noticing something. That it's the simplest acts of love that creates legacy. And here you and I are again... At the end of another marriage sermon series. How much richer and more vibrant your marriage could be if you ask God right now today. What's the purpose of my marriage? See love thrives where there's purpose. I've told stories before of of how I've watched people love each other. And it's incredible. Just simple acts that embrace one another in a moment when the enemy would use a situation to cause us not to. But love thrives where there's purpose. And when there's purpose in marriage, the little things don't bother me anymore. Because really, is it that big a deal? I think we all need to embrace a deeper sense of responsibility. Oh man, Pastor Don is preaching today, and I, I know I am because y'all quiet. All this other stuff just been fun. We are responsible for our own legacy. Maybe you've sat through the last five weeks now and you find yourself thinking a question. Wondering, maybe this thought, you know what, I haven't, I haven't been married this way. I haven't cultivated a marriage that will leave a legacy. I am going to be an encouragement in your life. Don't give up. Don't give up. Start right where you are today. You too much of the I can't or it won't work is based on what happened yesterday and no matter what you do today you can't change all that mess. Amen. You can repent of it and you can ask for forgiveness. But that in and of itself says I want to start fresh right here. I want to start new right here. I want to be different right here from this moment going forward. I, I, I want to start where we're at. And, and, and you And there's a lot of you that are listening and in this room. You really need to sit down and speak that to each other. Listen, I'm sorry about yesterday, but I'm interested in starting right here. There ain't a person listening right now who hasn't had that moment where we wanted to give up. Even the best of us. Those moments when we wondered if God himself, if God himself was even involved in our marriage at all. Is this thing even of God? Maybe, maybe that's my excuse. I got married to somebody I wasn't supposed to. I got married to somebody that God did not intend for me. And so you try to use some spiritualism idea that has no root in the Bible whatsoever to excuse not investing, not committing. And i say this to you. Listen, you can marry the wrong person and treat them right, and they'll be the right person. You can marry the right person and treat them wrong. I'm sorry about your luck. You can't blame God about it. Because marriage itself is a part of faith. It is. We've experienced brokenness in marriage in a lot of ways. And there's those moments where we all got to this place to say, man, is this thing of God, is God in the end? Watch, watch Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Now, I read it to you in my ESV earlier. I, I want to read it to you right now. Don't just hold, don't fall out your chair in the New Living Translation. Watch what he says here. Let us run with endurance. The race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eye on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. How do we run the race? How do we stay involved? How do we stay on track? I love the way this translation puts it. It says, it literally tells you we do this by keeping our eye on Jesus. Husband and wife, married people right now. You cannot stay married and take your eyes off Jesus. You can't do it. You'll trust something else. You'll look for something else. If God is the one who designs marriage as a part of the creation process to bring, to bring an end to chaos, hello church, then you can't be married without God or you're just going to have more chaos. He is with you and he is for you, married people. Come on, somebody. He will carry you through the troubles. He will bring purpose to your pain. I got news for you. He will reward your faithfulness with a lasting legacy. Just don't give up. Your legacy of love, he's using it to create in and through your marriage something beautiful for his glory. Keep going until you reach the finish line. I'll be the first one to admit that I always hate ending a sermon series. I I love preaching in series. I love when God takes us from A to B to C to D. I love the journey through the scripture in that way. It it gives me something to move on and stand on and grow in. But ending this series today, uh, there's a real question for all of us. What are the things you and your spouse are doing consistently to build toward a forever legacy? I didn't say what you're doing consistently to bring dysfunction. We already dealt with that. Stop dishonor, devalue, and disrespect. That's too consistent in our lives. Those things are not allowed in marriage. The moment they enter into the marriage, you give the enemy a foothold. You give him something to use. In marriage, you don't say, I do once. You say it every day. And with that idea, that thought process, the point is that every day we're living exposed to each other. The Bible says naked And when we live exposed to one another like that, we can live unashamed. But see, secrets in our lives cause us to cover up ourselves, hide ourselves, not only from God, but from each other. And those things involve communication. Those things involve the way we treat each other or the way we live or the way we're motivated towards. You need to wake up every day and say, I do, again and again and again. You need to say, I do every day. How? By, how? by prioritizing time. Yeah. So keep you on your path of being unashamed and exposed or open to each other. I'm gonna need you to hold on to each other right now. Eddie, you gotta hold a Brito? I mean, Bruno's Breno, praying about his wife, who she will be, where she will come from, when that will happen. A lot of mine and Bruno's conversation happens to surround that topic lately. <laughs> <laughs> Move, on? Move on? Oh, I see, okay. <laughs> but here's the deal. There's not one of those conversations that I've had with this young man About who his wife will be and what his marriage will be like. Not one single moment of any of those conversations has his parents' marriage not been in the conversation. Interesting. It brought a thought to me. We had lunch this week. We were talking just about this thing. And the question came to me. What do our children think about our marriage? And do I really want to know? As a husband and wife. As Don and Lisa. What do my children think about my marriage? And do I really want to know? Because here's the thing. If you don't really want to know, it's because you know they're going to tell you the truth. And you ain't going to like it. No one's asking you to be perfect. But I am going to say this to you. Too many children would testify to this. If my parents represent what marriage is, then I don't want it. I told you to hold on to each other. Do you know how many girls have come into Breno's life and there's been an opportunity there that Breno has literally said to me, my mama ain't going to have that. (laughs) I'm like, Breno, she's cute, man. Don't matter. My mama ain't going to have that. And even if she happens to get past my mama, Brenda ain't going to put up with it. (laughs) Now, he didn't know I was going to do all that. What do our children think about our marriage? Yeah. Yeah. See, They've seen you go through hard times. Yeah. They've seen how you treated each other. You know what? They, they've also seen you work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan Wired is here this morning. And if we were to ask Ethan what he thinks about his, his parents' marriage, you'd probably hear some wonderful things. But I know personally from conversation with him when he struggled... And we talked about what faith looked like. Come on. I talked about Cassie, Joshua, Cassie. Come on. They told you their story. But see, because of what his parents did, now faith is in his life. So much so that he spent a couple of years overseas doing missions. And, and, and God is involved. And he talks often about what faith is in his life. And he thinks a lot about, come on, what that looks like. Oh, Church the best gift you can give your kids is having the kind of marriage that makes them actually want to be married. Legacy creates a foundation for generations. You ever see these little boys that you know, they're they're just so innocent, they're little bitty boys, and and when they talk about being married, they they talk about marrying their mom, or the little girls, right, like, oh, we can't do that, right, because, like, that's not what, oh, yeah, right, you know why that happens, because they see something that's a blessing, I want that, and the, the, Bible said, uh, the Bible says, out of the mouth of babes, there's the purity of what we're talking about in that moment, right? The best gift you can give your kids is to have the kind of marriage that makes them want to be married. See, legacy creates foundation for generations. And it comes it comes to the legacy that is a love, right, that we have for each other. And that love flows out of the love we have for God. What a powerful gift for the future generation. See, legacy, when we're legacy-minded, it causes us to be fruitful. I'm I'm preaching to some married folk this morning. Fruit influences others. You you remember, I've often told this story about that huge pear tree we had in our yard growing up. Uh, This thing, I mean, these pears, you didn't run over them with the lawnmower. They just destroy your lawnmower. They're so big. And and this tree, this tree would put on so many pears that my my brother, my dad, and I would have to go out. My dad would create what we call dead men. It's two by four with a T on it. And and stick underneath the leaf because the the weight of the fruit itself was snapping the limbs on the pear tree. Because the fruit would be so, and people would come for miles just to get pears off that tree. And my dad would be like, please take them. Because they would just lay on the ground and then the bees would, yeah, hello, somebody. You couldn't do enough with them. It was so fruitful that people knew about that tree from miles. Come on, somebody. What if your marriage was like that? What if your marriage was so fruitful that people would come from miles? Can you tell us? Give us some advice. Talk to us about what God is doing. See, to Eve, God was saying to her, when, when God says, be fruitful and multiply, to Eve, what he was saying to Eve was, Eve, I need you to be so connected to me that you cause Adam to bear fruit. Adam, come come here, come here, son, come here. I need you to be so connected to me that you cause Eve to bear fruit. You might not know it, but as a couple, you influence other people. And, And I want that influence to be an influence of bearing fruit. And you do that by the way you serve each other. The way you love one another. The way you embrace one another. Do, do you understand what I, I mean this morning? I, I need you to grab a hold of this. Your influence and legacy has more to do than just with your children. I think, I think the local church that has concentrated and focused on purpose attention about helping married couples be stronger is a local church that is more effective. God put the two of you together. Oh, y'all not helping me. Not only for your pleasure, but for his pleasure too. Do you know God takes pleasure in bringing order to chaos? A church. That's why, as a church and as an eldership team, we have to stand for principles that honor family and marriage. And we can't tolerate those principles that destroy family and marriage. That's why in a marriage sermon series, I take the time to produce homework for you. The majority of you don't do it. And then you call me on the phone and say, hey, can you spend some? And you know what I'm going to do? Time with Pastor Don isn't going to fix your marriage. I'm not Jesus. Time with each other is going to fix you. Be fruitful. Your marriage is unique. Come on, I want you to own that. And I don't want you to, I, I, with the, with the, at the sake of sounding unspiritual, I want you to understand that your marriage is unique and take a little pride in that. It's okay. Hello, somebody. There, there's a ton of folk in this room who happen to be scared of my wife because she can be straightforward. I love being married to her. Oh, I wonder sometimes. <laughs> It's unique. I embrace that. I never have to wonder what she's thinking. I mean, you know, it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. I, I mean, I know she's not fine. But see, when you, what happens is when you're frustrated in your own marriage, you lose perspective on the uniqueness of it. And you start looking around about something else that you think is more better And Pastor Don's just going to tell you this little secret that my grandfather taught me. And, and, and as far as I know, he wasn't a spiritual man. But he, he had a spiritual principle. The grass is always greenest over the septic tank. And you, you know what that's full of. Your marriage is unique, and you should embrace the uniqueness of that inside of what God is doing. Uh, the, The uniqueness of your marriage, when you grab a hold of that, you can understand that there are no two other people like you two. And together, there are some great things God has given you that is distinct in its mission to influence the world around you. I say this all the time. No one can do better than what you are called to do, than you. Other people can do probably what you're called to do, but it's your unique gift. I can be an evangelist. Hello, somebody. I can evangelize, but I don't have Glenn Middleton's anointing. There, there, there's this idea of what God is doing in our marriage that no two other people are just alike. And, and that is true. That is something I want you to embrace. And if you can embrace that and you can understand that, you can also know that there's a war that's waging against the success of your marriage, not because you did something wrong, but because you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness who wants to leave this world in chaos. Never have we needed order more than we need it today. Never has the world been full of lies and deception than it is today. And if ever we need order in chaos, we need it now. And I'm encouraging you as a married couple, do your part in bringing order to chaos. You might forget you are married for God's great purpose, but the devil never does. What's my purpose? For my marriage. What is the legacy you will leave for the next generation? Listen, when those leaders came to my wife and I, Almost 18 years ago now, and said that we, we'd like for you to stay in Michigan. And we'd like for you to think about being senior pastors again. I knew that was going to be most difficult on my wife because my wife and my daughter are super close, and my wife lived in South Carolina. And our plan was to move to Carolina after our year commitment here in Michigan and, and just get under a pastor and lift up his arms and, and do that. I can, I'm a meek, I can get a job. We took two weeks and we prayed and we fasted and we came back together. And at the end of that two weeks, we sat down before we talked to that leadership team. And this is what my wife looked at. She said, I know this is what we are called to do. I know that. And I want to surrender our marriage to the legacy God wants us to leave are her words. What is the purpose for your marriage? Husband and wife, have you ever noticed that the longer you go without doing life together, the more awkward you become around each other? You can ask some couples in here that would share with you some crisis time that I've spent with them. And one of the assignments, it might sound weird, is date day. And in that date day, or date hour, maybe it's two hours together, you're not allowed to talk about bills or family or kids or work. You have two hours together and you can't talk about those things. What are you going to talk about? What are you going to talk about? That's scary for people. My wife and I literally assigned that to a couple we were meeting with. That was their assignment for the week. On Tuesday, they were going to go have a date day. And on that date day, they were going to spend two hours together. They couldn't talk about bills, money, work, kids. What else? Yeah. That was the four things we said you couldn't talk about. They didn't make it out of their driveway. They turned around and went home. We got a phone call. This is BS. No. This is God's plan. The more time you don't do life together, the more awkward you become around each other. Because real conversation turns into shop talk. Contract talk and covenant talk doesn't happen. And this is why there's an epidemic of couples who raise their kids and then get divorced. Are we just staying together for the kids sake. You're not blessing the kids. They know you don't like each other. And they don't want to be a part of it as much as you don't want to be a part of it. And here's the deal. You could leave but they can't. So don't come into my office talking about, oh, we're just doing it for the kids. Breno's preaching next week. Y'all be encouraged. Marriage is not business. Marriage is love. Marriage is covenant. Marriage is mission. It's it's tra- it's a tragic reality that too many people live the other way. And this is why I think it's important that God points out to us that they were naked and unashamed. It's how God designed marriage. They had no secrets between them. They had nothing hidden up their sleeve because they ain't had no sleep. Some of y'all get that at lunch. But see, in the scripture here, nakedness has so much more to do with no clothes. It was about there's no assumptions about each other. There's no preconceived ideas about one another. There's, There's nothing hidden from each other. Listen, they were the first to exist. They were the first marriage. And I mean, they lived, uh, come on, Mr. Theologian here, Adam lives, what, over 900 years? Am I good? Yes, thank you. Do you know how many people were born in that time frame? That there may have been times where through that time period, let's say someone is 100 years old, and 800-year-old Adam and Eve come walking into that village for the first time. They've never seen Adam and Eve before. But what's their thought? They were the first. She is the mother of us all. He is the father of us all. What was their thought? Boy, I would like to be like them. Come on, church. Church. Their marriage was incredible. And it was a part of the creation process. It was a part of God bringing order to chaos. Their nakedness had so much more meaning than just no clothes. You never see them trying to hide anything from each other or from God until sin enters the picture. Because sin breeds secrets. But grace always invites us back to a beautiful place of naked vulnerability where we can be unashamed. God calls us as husband and wife to undress every day and to live naked and unashamed with each other. And that is the only way we can break the cycle of destruction of marriage in the world that you and I live in. It's the only way. As the worship team comes, I want to ask you this question: What are the things you want to do together as a husband and wife that will outlast your marriage? Some of you wrote that down. I put it up there. Maybe you want to take a picture of it, or but it's a legit question. When you're both in heaven, what will be the ripple effect? From your love that will touch your children? What will be the ripple effect that will touch your grandchildren? What will be the ripple effect that will touch your church and your community after you are gone? I say this all the time at my house. Sometimes things will be just like going crazy and stuff will be happening and, and, and whatever. And I'll just look at my wife and I'll go, You gonna miss me when I'm gone? And she's like, you're right. You're right. The other night, I was just chilling on the couch, minding my own business. Whatever, I'm sure. <laughs> and I just felt the need to just apologize to my wife. I, I had, I don't know, like I had some sinus stuff going on and the night before, and I, I had woke myself up snoring. And I, It's hilarious. Do- Sue why are you laughing And so I knew because I had woke her up too Because I sat up and looked at her And I was like oh my gosh I am so sorry Middle of the night I mean it was so bad even the dog looked at me <laughs> What is? Ha- are you dying And my wife I don't think she knew then She started explaining to me the night so I just flip the camera on record, it's hilarious, it's on, it's on social media, you should, you should watch it. You know what I love? I love when my grandkids call me and say, Bobby, that was hilarious. Did Nana know you did that? And I was like, I don't know if she did. She was like, that was funny. I love watching you get Nana like that. See, that's the, to me, hearing kids say, I love watching you be married. Lisa and I continue to encourage each other to think bigger. Think bigger. We don't know how God can use us in every season. Do you understand that? And every season season. So here's the deal. If, if you call me on Fridays and I don't answer or text, it's not because I don't love you. It's just because I love her more than I love you. And Fridays are usually our day together. And Sometimes we don't do nothing. Sometimes we just close the curtain, leave the cars in the garage and hide from the world. Right? What are we going to do today? Just... Yeah, sometimes we're just, uh, you know, cleaning stuff. It doesn't matter. It's a day. Sometimes it's a date day when you have to borrow Bo McMillan's dump trailer and haul off four trailer loads of how did this get here? How do we have all of this stuff? I always said stuff, stuff. It's a date day. Sometimes it's a date day when you drive your wife to the top the garbage dump in St. Joe County so she can see all of St. Joe County <laughs> I said you should feel special sweet not know how people get to come up here she said there's something special up here and it, it ain't the view it's the smell can we leave please <laughs> dream together dream together especially when you're struggling together be married with vision dream more change your world through your unashamed marriage when you do this you, the love you have for, for God and the love you have for each other will outlast you both and it will make an, inter, an eternal impact That is happening because of an internal impact. There's no sin and struggle. I wish you'd hear me. There's no condemnation and struggle. There there isn't. You're under satanic assault. As a married couple. The sin is to not live godly through that. Come on church. And that... It's when you live ashamed. Run the race with endurance. How do you do that? How do you do that? We do this by keeping our eye on Jesus. Stand with me. I want to leave you with this series. I don't ever intend to leave the topic. We usually do it every year starting in February. And so we could have our next sermon series, marriage sermon series here pretty quick. Um, COVID kind of hit us hard this year. 2020, it'll be a year we never forget. It, it, I think it'll be a year where we realize that God transitioned us from apathy into purpose. So I actually believe it's going to be a year where we take the attack of the enemy, the assault of the demonic, and let it stir revival in us individually. And I think it's even more appropriate in the year where God is stirring revival to talk about marriage. And I want to pray that over you if it's okay right now. You, as a husband and wife, you want to come to the altar, it's always open. But I do just want to pray for us right now. Because I believe we are experiencing revival. Not the tent revivals or the revivals that pack rooms. But the revivals that impact personal hearts. And stirring among us. And so if you're married you can take the hand of one next to you if you can. And if you're not you can just pray for those around you. Those you know. But Father I just want to pray right now as we come to a close this series. Never a close of the topic. Thank you, Lord, that you have so much to say. And that what you have to say, God, changes our hearts and lives. And we say with Peter in this marriage sermon series that, Lord, you have the words of life. Speak to us. God, in every topic that we took over the last five weeks, from purpose and communication to forgiveness and and, and God to eternal legacy let us experience revival in marriage God let the joy of the Lord fill our marriages and and God let I, I pray your strength flow into marriages right now through the joy of the Lord through the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. God, let your spirit come and flow and fill every marriage right now. God, you said times of refreshings come from your presence, God. And so we just pray for more of your presence inside of our marriages, God. God, we want to embrace this just as not a little sermon series. But God, is a word, a seed planted. God, that you intend to grow inside of our hearts and lives and produce fruit. God, we come against the satanic assault against marriage right now, even in this room and those who are watching. God, we just come against it in the name of Jesus. And God, we bind the hand of the enemy right now. We take the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, and we break every chain and we lose every assignment in Jesus' name. And God, I just pray for a hedge of angels, God, a warring angels, Lord, to wrap, just to encompass each and every marriage, God, and protect them from the assault salt of the enemy forgive us God for forgiving that we are married for purpose and thank you Lord that you reminded us that even though we forget that the devil never does so God we lean into you even more God we've experienced miracles after miracles after miracles Lord thank you for what we thought was impossible you said you said watch me and you get all the glory you get all the glory you get all the glory hallelujah bless you jesus bless you lord
1: i cast my mind to calvary Where Jesus bled and died for me, I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior on that cursed tree.
0: My church. His
1: body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all alone. Hallelujah. Come on
0: and lift your voice. Oh,
1: praise the name of the Lord. i Blazing sun
0: God, you,
1: shall pierce the night, <laughs> and I will rise. Hallelujah! The Woo! Come on, church! My right. gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Hallelujah! Oh, I just wish you to praise the Lord Hallelujah. right now. Just worship Him. Bless you, Hallelujah! Bless you you are worthy.